If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to open to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to look there today. So here we are, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I'm wondering, do you feel thankful? I mean, some people would tell you, well, some of us are more thankful than others. Depends on our circumstances. And we look at this past year and we see the virus and and we see everything that's happened because of it and all the craziness and all the the crazy circumstances we've been a part of. And, And you know, it's easy to celebrate Thanksgiving if your family's healthy and your income is ample and your stocks are ascending and your aches and pains are minimal. But man, that Thanksgiving, that type of Thanksgiving can be awfully superficial. And God seems also almost superfluous in that kind of a celebration. It's often just a matter of congratulating ourselves and patting ourselves on the back on how well we have done. But real thanksgiving, biblical thanksgiving, is so much greater and deeper than that. It's not based on circumstance, but God's sufficiency. It's not based on our production, but God's provisions. It's not based on our performance, but on God's providence. See, the Apostle Paul described real thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you've seen the movie Facing the Giants, but in the movie there's this coach, Grant Taylor, and he tries to deliver that message to his football team. And this is what he says. He says, guys, we're going to praise God when we win. We're going to praise Him when we lose. And that's tough. Right? It's hard to be thankful when things aren't going your way. It's hard to be thankful that there's been a death or divorce in your family this year. If your job is at risk, if your marriage is shaky, if someone in your family is facing dangerous health problems. It's hard if you've had such a multitude of small problems and you just can't get a fix on all of them it's kind of like the guy who said you know i could get this mattress up the stairs if i could just figure out how to get a hold of it (laughs) it's hard to be thankful when we can't get a hold of our problems i mean think about the first thanksgiving celebrated in america 102 pilgrims left plymouth england on september 16th or september 6 1620 they were bound for the new world And for two months, they braved the harsh elements of a vast storm-tossed sea in the creaky little ship, and they arrived in Massachusetts in late November. After a prayer service, they began building hasty shelters. But there was no way they could anticipate the harsh New England winter. And nearly half of them died before spring. But nevertheless, on December 13th of the following year, the pilgrims declared a three-day feast to thank God and to celebrate with their Indian friends. See, that is real thanksgiving. When people praise and thank God regardless of their circumstances. In our scripture this morning out of 2 Timothy, Paul shows us what real thanksgiving looks like. See, Paul is in a dungeon. He's chained to a Roman guard. It's deep, dark, down in the hole. He can barely see well enough to write and he begins to think back over the past 30 years as an apostle and teacher and preacher. And I think most of us in that kind of situation, we would have felt sorry for ourselves. I mean, you can hear us, right? Oh, Lord. 
Lord, you have a strange way of showing your love for your servants. I mean, I have sacrificed and I've suffered and I've done everything for you on two different continents. And what do I get for it? I'm locked up, sitting in a hole, and I'll probably be executed within a month. Thanks a lot. (laughs) That'd be us, wouldn't it? But it's not Paul. Now listen to what Paul says. 2 Timothy 1, verse 11. And of this gospel, I am appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I believe in. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And then he gives us these reasons for his confidence, even while sitting in a dungeon, even sitting face to face with death. Here is his reasons for this confidence, that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and honestly, if we can claim these reasons, then we celebrate true thanksgiving this week. Paul said, first, I am confident because I know God personally. You know, there's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God, isn't there? I mean, even the devil knows about God. James 2.19 says, Even the demons believe God and tremble. But to know God personally, that's to love Him, to serve Him as your Savior and leader and counselor and friend. There was a pastor, Bill. He told about playing golf with a group of guys he didn't know. And one of the guys was John. He was a retired math teacher from a private school. And he found out Bill was a pastor, and he said, you know, I believe in God, but I don't go to church. I try to live by the Ten Commandments. Throughout my career, I tried to influence my students towards good morals. He said, I I guess you could say I'm a Christian with a little c. Well, that gave Bill the opportunity to find for him briefly what it meant to be Christian with a capital C. You know, that caused me to consider what is the difference between a big C and a little C Christian. And I think it's basically a matter of whether or not you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's how you do that. Here's how we have that personal relationship. It begins in prayer. It begins every day talking to God in prayer. Even even if you don't feel like it, even if you feel like your prayers are are pointless or, or is God really listening It's vitally important we talk to Him. And then we read God's Word. Like we talked about last week. It's important that we dive into His inspired book every day. Even if it's just a few verses from the Gospels. Even if it's just a chapter out of Genesis starting with one. We need to dive into His Word. And then third, as we begin to sense His Spirit moving in our life, we make that personal commitment to Him. We dare to confess our sins to Him and believe that He paid for our sin on the cross. We invite the risen Christ to be the leader of our life. Then fourth, we surrender our life to Christ. We baptized into Him for the forgiveness of sin to receive eternal life. Step five is what we're doing today. We're gathering regularly with other believers to worship. And yeah, we can worship alone in a trout-filled stream or a manicured golf course. But Jesus reminds us where two or three are gathered, there I am. It's important to gather together for worship. 
And the final step in getting personal with God is take some risk with Him. Dare to do something that is not likely to succeed without His help. I mean, reach out to an alienated person. Right? Tithe above and beyond. Call the Salvation Army or the food pantry and see if you can help a family this Christmas. You know, I often think back to the summer of my junior year in college. I was invited to be a summer youth intern at this church in Lansing, Illinois. And I served there with the senior pastor. And for the first three weeks, he took me around and he showed me where everything was and introduced me to people and got me familiar. And and then he left. (laughs) He went to a mission trip for three weeks. And he left me at the church all alone. And I got to tell you, I was nervous. I mean, volumes could be written about what I didn't know at that tender age of 19. But I also believe that God blessed my risk-taking. I can't imagine to think of what would have happened if I hadn't taken that risk. Now, when we take God-approved risks, we come to know God better. We come to trust Him more. So where in your life are you taking those God-approved risks? Those things that are not likely to succeed without the help of God. Yeah, if you want to know God personally, risk-taking is essential. It's not enough to just know about God. It's not enough to just be an excellent student of the Scriptures. No, in order to celebrate true thanksgiving this week and every week, we must know Him personally. And then Paul gives us another reason. He says, God is able to guard all that I entrust to Him. You know, if I'm the primary caretaker of the people and the possessions that are important to me, I'm in trouble. Right? Because my power and my wisdom are limited and I will mess it up every time. But when I entrust to God the care of people and possessions that are important to me, then I have enlisted the help of the all-wise, omnipotent God. And that doesn't mean that you know, God's going to put this invisible protective shield around me and my family and nothing's ever going to happen to us and our life is going to be great. No, because we live in a free, sin-marred world. We live in a world where bad things happen to good people, where bad things happen to people of faith. And we know that God doesn't love me more or less than any other person on this planet. So what then can I be sure of in this insecure world. Well, I know that God's word assures us that nothing can separate us eternally from each other or from God. Nothing can happen tomorrow that God and we cannot handle together. No tragedy can erase God's sufficiency. I mean, think about it this way. In this day and age, we face at least three great struggles. All right, one is local. I mean, there is crime and there are drugs that affect our county and our surrounding counties. Another is global, where we face this great war on terror, right? And our enemies continue to develop these weapons of mass destruction, and they won't hesitate for a moment to use them against us. And third, our battle is this unseen, relatively unknown virus. And the battle isn't just trying to stay safe from the virus and not contract the virus, but it's protecting our relationships with those that stand on opposite sides of the issues than we do. Facing these threats are vital. 
maintaining our witness as believers in Christ to this world during these threats are critical. But after we've done our part, God will have the final word. In the final analysis, our security is with God. And we can entrust our loved ones, our church, and our nation to the only one who is able to safeguard us. I believe he will. I mean, think about it this way. Your only assets that are absolutely secure are those that you have entrusted to Christ. Because when Wall Street is smoldering on the trash heap of history, our investments in Christ shine like pure gold. So here we are. Week of Thanksgiving. We, we don't know what the day will bring, much less the year. Am I right? I mean, who could have predicted last November what 2020 was going to look like? And yet we dare to give thanks to God. Because we can say with Paul, I know whom I believed. And I am convinced that He is able to guard what I have entrusted to Him for that day. I know whom I have believed. In, and I am convinced He is able to guard what I have entrusted to Him for that day. Years ago, there was a woman sharing some memories of her childhood with me. And she said, my dad owned this large boat. And he kept it moored near Mud Island. And we had a lot of fun times on the sandbar just up the river. We would picnic and swim. And my brother and I were young at the time, she said. And so my dad would not allow us to get into the water until he first tied a rope around our waist. And then he would hold the other end of the rope. She said a few times I got into deep water and he had to gently pull me to safety. She said, somehow that rope always made me feel safe because I knew my dad was dependable. And you know, I listened to that and I thought about our almighty Heavenly Father. And though He doesn't control us like puppets, there is this kind of invisible rope between Him and us. Right? And He loves us so much that He has this wonderful, mysterious way of pulling us out of trouble, of keeping us secure in Him. And for that, I'm thankful. Ralph Waldo Emerson, in his journal, there's a section where he reflects painfully on the death of his son, Waldo. And in his grief, Emerson wrote these words of faith. All that I have seen teaches me to trust God for all that I have not seen. That's such a great thought, isn't it? All that I have seen teaches me to trust God for all that I have not seen. Yeah, if you believe that with all your heart, you know the secret of our confidence. And you're ready for thanksgiving. Let me ask, are you thankful? Are you truly thankful for everything that God has done for you? Because one of the greatest ways to show your thankfulness is to surrender your life to Him. So if that's what you desire, come. Come by the church and talk with me. Call me. Let me share with you more about the secret to our confidence that only comes through the relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to us. Thank you for desiring to have that personal relationship with us. Thank you most of all for guarding our life, both here and in all eternity.
It's because of you that we have confidence in this life and the next. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.